welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Father, you have a special word that you're sharing with us today. Lord, your, your presence has been so rich and uh, just special. And I want to thank you. And I pray now that you will empower me to speak the word that you want to share today. And Father, may it be spirit and may it be life. Jesus, you said, my word is spirit and it is life. And I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Everywhere Jesus went, lives were dramatically changed. Think about the time when Jesus was passing through the town of Jericho on his way back to Jerusalem. He had been in the Galilee area. He left the Galilee area, went down the Jordan Valley... And uh, the southernmost end of the Jordan Valley, just before you get to the Dead Sea, was the main city of that area, Jericho. And there in Jericho, as Jesus was going through the town, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus that lived there in that city. And each day he would go out and sit on the main road and beg for money. Now we're not told how long he had been blind, but it had had been some time. And this day he's hearing this crowd gathering and he's asking people, what's going on, what's going on? They said, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. When he hears that Jesus is coming, he starts yelling at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around went, shh, shh, you're, you're making a nuisance of yourself. Be, be quiet. You know, they, they didn't think that the master would want to take time with this beggar, right? Obviously, they didn't know the heart of Jesus. Amen. But this guy, instead of shutting up, he just got louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and he just kept getting louder until finally Jesus hears him. And so Jesus comes over to him and says... What can I do for you? And Bartimaeus says, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. And he got his sight at that moment. And the scripture says, he began following Jesus. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing story. I mean, his his life obviously was never the same. On another occasion... Jesus is in the city of Jerusalem and he's, he's teaching on the temple mount and the steps that Jesus taught on, on the south end of the temple mount, those steps are still there today. Jesus is there teaching and as he's teaching, he hears this commotion happening and pretty soon these Pharisees come right up to him. And they throw at his feet this woman. 
And they said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now the law says, stoner. What do you say? And, and see, they think, they think they've got Jesus trapped. Because if he says, don't stoner, he's violating the law. If he says stoner, then they can say, well, wait a minute, you talk about love. Where's your love stuff? Yeah. Right? So they think they've got him trapped. Jesus just pauses for a little bit. And then he looks up at them and he says, okay, you who are without sin, you throw the first stone. Then he kneels back down and he starts writing in the sand. Now, we don't know what he, what he wrote in the sand. I kind of like to think he started writing things like liar, cheating on your taxes, you know, things. Whatever he wrote in the sand, they started getting conviction seriously and they just started dropping their rocks and walking away. And after a little bit, all of them had walked away. And the woman is left there at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and says, um, where, where's your accusers? And she says, well, there, there's, there's no one here to accuse me. And she's suspecting, but you are a rabbi. I'm waiting for your wrath, right? And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. They've been there? Have you been there? I want you to know I have been. But when I came to Jesus, I was absolutely a wreck. Jesus said to me, go and sin no more. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Can't you just, wouldn't you love to just know where she went from there and what happened with the rest of her life? I can't wait to find out. What an incredible. On another occasion, that Jesus and his disciples had been ministering in Capernaum. Capernaum, when Jesus began his public ministry, he moved his residence from Nazareth on the mountainside over the Jezreel Valley to one of the main cities in the Galilee area on the very north shore of the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum. And that became his, his headquarters and his residence. Jesus and his disciples had been ministering there and he was going to go to the east side. What we know today is the Golan Heights. And he gets in a boat and they cross the Sea of Galilee and they arrive there at the eastern shore. And as they arrive there at the eastern shore, this very interesting character meets them. Now he is a very dangerous man. Dangerous to himself, dangerous to other people. They have tried to uh, uh, incarcerate him more than once. But each time they would put him in chains, he would literally break the chains and get free. So finally they banished him from the community. 
And he lived in caves and spent a lot of time hanging out in graveyards. Okay? Maybe, maybe this was the original Gothic. I don't know. You know? <clears throat> but this man uh, would cut himself and was just violent and abusive verbally, physically. And as he came to Jesus, Jesus recognized his problem was he had many demons. And Jesus confronts the strong man in this man's life and says, who are you? He said, we are legion for we are many. Now, a legion, a legion of soldiers. I mean, that's hundreds. This man was absolutely stuffed full of demons. His life was out of control. But that day, the Lord Jesus Christ cast those demons out of him. The scripture says he went back to his home community in his right mind. Now, here's the beautiful thing. At that day, all the leaders in the community came to Jesus and said, we want you out of here, you leave. So Jesus and his disciples got in the boat and went back over to the west side of the Sea of Galilee. But a few months later, he comes back into that region. And that region is so transformed. Because this man, Legion, no longer Legion, (laughs) you know, but Legion, we know him as Legion, had, had been sharing his testimony everywhere. And the absolute life transformation in his life was being seen by everyone in that area. And as Jesus came back, instead of them not wanting him in the territory, they all welcomed him and began bringing their sick and their lame. And they were laying him on the street so the shadow of Jesus would come over them and they'd be healed. And Jesus had a great ministry in that area because Legion was so transformed by the work of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I want you to know Jesus is still doing that same thing today. He's he's transforming lives. See, Jesus doesn't want to just give you eternal fire insurance. I mean, he gives you that. Good news. When you have Jesus in your heart, you no longer go to hell. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. That's pretty good news right there. But it's not just to get eternal fire insurance. Jesus Christ wants to totally transform your life. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Jesus wants to teach you how to live out of the newness of life that he gives to you. It's not just, oh yeah, I had Jesus, and then life goes on. No, there should be an absolute transformation going on in your life. Because that's what Jesus comes to do. To make you a whole new creation. The Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Would you like to turn there with me? Ephesians chapter 4. Now initially here we're going to look at the first few verses from uh, verse 17 to 21. So those, those first five verses there. 
Ephesians 4, 17 to 21. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is in the New Testament. You go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You go past the book of Romans. You go past 1, 2 Corinthians. And then you get to those smaller books. I like to remember it this way. Giants eat peas and corn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Kind of just helps you remember a little bit the order, okay? So we're going to go to Ephesians, okay? Chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as other Gentiles walk. Stop. When he's talking about Gentiles, Gentiles in the New Testament has two references. It can reference anyone who is not Jewish, Okay, in other words, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, right? Okay, but it also references references unbelievers, those that have not yet received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And depending on the context, you know whether they're talking about those that have received have not received Jesus, or whether they're just talking about those who are not Jewish. Another way they reference it is those of the circumcision and those of the uncircumcision. Obviously, those of the circumcision, those that are Jewish, right? Those that are not circumcised, those who are not Jewish. The context tells you which it's referring. In this case, when he's talking about that you ought not as other Gentiles, he is saying to them, you are Gentiles, you're not Jewish, But don't live like the Gentiles who have not yet received Jesus Christ. You get what I'm saying? Okay, so we understand the context. So he's saying that you should not walk as of the Gentiles. Okay, you're a Gentile, but don't live like Gentiles who have not yet received Jesus. And he goes on to say, in the futility of their mind, being, being alienated from God, Right? In their ignorance, being hard, having hardness of heart, and so what? They're living in the vanity of their mind, right? The futility of their mind. But in all of that, he's saying, and so they live undisciplined lives. In immorality and greediness. Do you see that in there? In verse, I think that's verse 20. But then he goes on in verse 21. He says, but you've not so learned Christ. If you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Amen. Right now. Okay, so what's he saying to you and I? He's saying this. As an unbeliever, okay, as someone who's not received Jesus, our old life, we live in the futility of our mind. We live in the vanity of our mind. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, he said that in that, he's talking about the fact that 
They're living out of their old thought patterns, their old reasonings, their old opinions, their old philosophies. All of that stuff that was the way they lived. In other words, their worldview before they came to Jesus Christ. Now, dear ones, something we need to understand about every one of us in this room. A child's worldview is locked in concrete by the time they're 9, 10 years old. Okay? The, the, old, the old idea that you probably heard in your introduction to psychology when you were in high school or your first year of, uh, of college, okay, as a freshman in college, you heard that a child comes out of the womb as a blank slate. Nada. Mm-mm. Untrue. Okay? That's why you can, a child in the womb, you can teach and train a child in the womb. I've taught parents for years when that baby's in the womb, speak to that child, read scripture to that child, pray over that child. If you, if you know the gender of that child and you've got the name picked out, start calling them by name. Of course, you could have a surprise. It comes later, but... Have faith. <laughs> but talk to that child. I, I have seen the results of this time and again. That when that child is first born, when they hear their dad's voice, they hear their mom's voice, there's an immediate recognition. Because they're not a blank slate when they come out of the womb. Then by the time they're 9, 10 years old, their, their worldview is locked in concrete. And what that means is from 9, 10 years old, By the time they get into middle school, high school, then on into college, their teachers and their professors are just adding knowledge to what they already have as a worldview. And they're just confirming and adding more knowledge to it. But their worldview is is locked in concrete. Their, Their philosophy, their opinions, their reasoning, it's it's all set there. And, and dear ones, that is critical to understand. And that is going to dictate their behavior. Yeah. And, and that's why he goes on and he says, he says, don't you understand? They're acting out of the hardness of their heart. Because what happens? From the time you're a small child, as you're moving through life, none of us get to come through life scar-free, Right? Just, just all of us, all of us have scars. It's just some have more scars and bigger scars than others. Some of us have had to have splints put on our heart and our soul because we've been so damaged. And be, and those life experiences causes hard places in our heart. We become cynical. For the young lady, by the time she's 20, 21, well, you know, we know what guys want. And they're just cynical. And so they've got this cynical view of men and a hardness in their heart about men. Understand why? 
But I just got good news for you, ladies. Not all guys are like that. When you find a godly man, I mean a godly man, not just someone who says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Then when he gets you in the car, his hand goes to your knee. Trust me, when he puts his hand on your knee, he's not going for your ankle. Okay, that's not a godly man. Slap his face off and never go on a date with him again. Hardness, the heart comes in. We become cynical. Well, you know, you know what they're like. Well, you know, and 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 we, we begin getting a hard heart. We grew up having heard all of our life, you're so stupid, you, you can't do anything right, you're so dumb. And that starts putting a hard place on our heart and it starts shaping our our worldview. You go from foster home to foster home to foster and start shaping your worldview. Your, your, your worldview is being shaped and you're getting hard places in your heart. Resentment, bitterness, anger, hard places get in your heart. And those hard places and that worldview begins dictating your behavior. By the time I was in seventh grade, well, I knew what was going I was going to get in trouble anyhow. And everybody thought I was going to go to prison anyhow. I'm just going to prove them right. I I just had this, and I was filled. I was filled up to here with bitterness and anger and hate. And it came out in every way, in every form. I thought I was an unlovable human being, a throwaway human being. Folks, when that's your worldview, guess what? That's going to be your behavior. Come on, Amen. And so that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Before we come to Jesus Christ, we're deceived. We're, leave, we're living by deception. And you have to understand every person, before they come to the Lord Jesus Christ, they are living by a measure of deception in their life. Because before you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's selfishness in you. And selfishness is a measure of deception. It's not all about you. <laughs> if there's anything I would love to be able to communicate to the 30 and under in our generation, if I could just get one message to that generation, it's this. It's not all about you. Learn to, that, that is the worst way to live life. The best way to live life is how can I live my life giving it away? Giving it away. That's, that's where life really begins. It's when you, when you live your life to make a difference in other people, not to get. And the crazy thing about it is the more you live that way, the more you get. But if you're living to get... And you go, oh, well, yeah, but the more you give, the more you get. If, if that's your motive, you still missed it because you're still living for self. The, the way it really works is you die to self. If anyone would be my disciple, let him take up his cross and come follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. Amen. See, live to give. Come on, amen? But this generation... Because it's lived in the greatest wealth in the history of mankind, 
They, they haven't learned that concept yet. Nothing in our culture teaches that concept. It's all exactly the opposite. And that's why we have to get the true gospel message to them so that they can learn the true way to live. Because the way this world says to live is exactly the way to destroy your life. And that's why we see so many throwing their life away. Amen. I mean, some of the most, some of the most famous people that, that seem to have it all, their life is a train wreck because they've, they've lived for self. They've not lived to give it away. See, there's, there's deception. And the apostle Paul says, but you've not so learned Christ. See, beginning in verse 21, it starts changing. But you've not so learned Christ. Truth is in Jesus. See, in, in the old man, we're living in the futility of our mind with the hardness of heart. And we're living by some measure of deception. Some of us, like me, a whole lot of deception. I mean, I was brain damaged. <laughs> Not literally, but yeah, literally, soulishly, I was damaged. Come on, amen. I just, I just had a total, a total wrong perception of life. But in Jesus Christ, Jesus said this. If you abide in my word and my word abides in you, then you are my disciple indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Wow. 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 Now, now look, look at this. If you abide in my word and my word abides in you. That, that literally the word there in the Greek means to Remain. To stay steadfast. To be consistently established. So if you are consistently in my word. And my word is consistently in you. Do you know the word of God? Do you know what God's word says about life? You know one of the weird things about about Christianity in America today? Is we've made, we've made our life in Jesus and the word of God just a compartment of our life. And so it's like kind of added on. But that's not what God meant. And when, and when you study, you go all the way back to our founding fathers. And, and you, study, you study the church leaders 60, 70 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, all of them taught the same. The word of God held the answers to all of life. Have you heard of George Washington Carver? One of the great American inventors. He developed over 2,000 products from the peanut George Washington Carver was raised as a slave. But he learned how to read and through just and, and he loved God with all his heart. And through just some miraculous things, he became a, 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 a professor and a, and, and, a, and a biologist at Tuskegee University. 
And he would shut himself in for days, sometimes, 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 sometimes weeks on end without fasting and praying and studying the word of God and would come up with a new invention for the peanut from prayer and the word of God. Do you know how Columbus knew how to get from Spain to the West Indies? From the Holy Scripture. He was studying Scripture and multiple places in Scripture. It talks about the paths through the seas. And as he was studying the world, he says, you know what? There is a passageway. The world is not flat. The world is circumference. It's a globe. And there are paths. We can get from here to there. There's paths. We just got to find that path through the sea. That's how I discovered from the word of God. See, God wants his word. His word will teach you how to have a great marriage. His word will teach you how to raise great children. His word will teach you how to, how to understand math. His word will teach you how to understand science. His word will teach you how to understand biology. His word will teach you how to understand psychology. His word will teach you how to understand good farming. His word will teach you how to understand good husbandry. His word will teach you everything about life. His word is life. If you abide in my word, my word abides in you. Then you will truly be my disciple. Uh Uh-oh. If Jesus said, you will truly be my disciple, then that means there are folks who aren't true disciples. They say it with their mouth, but they're not truly disciples. We see that in scripture. There were people, the scripture says there were people that only followed Jesus because he would would feed them. You know, he fed 5,000, fed 3,000. They do miracles. They've just followed Jesus. Just, hey, let's go see the miracle man today. That's what it was about. Let's go see the miracle man today. And there are people today. That's how you're following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. And, and, and when, when you are praying for something and you really need something and God doesn't answer, then you get mad at God. Wait, 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 wait. So you're only a disciple because he's doing what you want him to do? What kind of a disciple is that? I I thought he was almighty God, your creator. And so you follow him because he is creator and, and, and he's absolutely sovereign. And he always has your best at his heart. But you follow him no matter what's coming into your life. Because he is the author of life. Amen. Come on, amen? amen? So I'm not following him because he makes everything really good and rosy for me. Can I tell you not everything's good and rosy for me? Uh-huh. I mean, some of you know some of the physical battles that I've walked through over the 11 years I've been here. And I had several more before I came here. You know, I've had drunk drivers run intersections and total my car and total my body. 2011, you know, I was at Maine and 395 and my light turns green. I start up, but there's a gal texting and she's not paying attention and she runs the red light and T-bones me and totals my car and does serious damage to my body. Come on, come on, come on, Amen. 
Well, you'll get mad at God because God let an accident happen to me. I don't follow God because just because he's a miracle working. I follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is God. And then the beautiful thing is when I follow him and I'm totally yielded to him, he gives me this assurance and I will make all things work together for good. To them who love God, to them who are the call to come members. I want to be a true disciple. Amen? I want to be a true disciple. But a true disciple doesn't just follow when it's convenient. Doesn't just follow when it's a good thing. A true disciple lays down his life and takes up his cross and follows Jesus and says, Jesus, wherever you go, I'm following you. I want your life to be the pattern for my life. So I'm following you, Jesus, wherever you go. Amen. See, that's a follower of Jesus. The apostle goes on to say that not only is truth in Jesus, but then you need to have a renewed mind. You got to get rid of the old stinking thinking, right? Because as long as you're trying to live a new life with stinking thinking, you're putting poison into the new life. (laughs) Come on, amen? You got to get the stinking thinking out so that, come on, amen? Let Jesus give you a new head up here. Give you a new brain. Let him renew your mind. And this word is interesting. Both in in Romans chapter 12 when it says, be renewed. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing your mind. And this one here in Ephesians 4, the word renewed means to to renovate. So it's to tear everything down and make it all new again. Because our mind is upside down to God. Would you stand with me, please? Two people heard what I just said. (laughs) I said, our mind is upside down to God. Remember, the, the prophet Isaiah said, for your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways than our ways and your thoughts than our thoughts. So when we, when we try to live the new life by our old mind, that's like trying to float our boat in the Columbia River upside down. You got the motor turned on, but Hello? Get the boat right side up so you got the propeller in the water. Come on. But that's what it's like when we try to live our new life in Jesus Christ, but we still have our old mind, our old reasoning, our old philosophies, our old opinions, our old ideology, our old thought patterns. And then we wonder how come we really aren't making it effectively. But I'm going to ask you to read these things with me as we close today. Would you read these with me? When you came to everyone together, when you came to Jesus, your old life was forgiven. Your old life was removed as far as the east is from the west. God remembers them no more. 
God wants you living a new life in Jesus Christ. Yes. Reckon ye therefore yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6, 11. Yes. You're a new creation. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at